This podcast is not intended to provide any investment advice. The opinions expressed here by either the hosts or guests do not necessarily reflect the views of PSA, Collectors Holdings, or any of their affiliates. Any discussion of collectible values in the past or present is not a guarantee of future performance. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the first episode of the PSA pod here in 2023. Season two is underway. Ryan Green, Jack Archer, Chris McGill, and boys, episode one of the second season is here just as the NFL is heading into the postseason, a very big one. And today we're doing some stock up, stock down, and we're going to start right there. We got maybe one of the most anticipated young quarterback matchups in a while Saturday night. Justin Herbert and Trevor Lawrence going head to head. It's going to be a fantastic game. Phenomenal hair, <laughs> phenomenal hobby appeal. There's just a lot to like right here. If you listen to this show, you know everyone here in in this crew is very high on both of these guys. And to get the head to head right off the bat to start the playoffs, each of their first playoff appearances, this is as elite as it gets. I want to ask though, who winning this game Saturday night would it? I'm going to say, who would it be better for within the hobby? Where, where are you leaning? I come at this with bias, obviously, but I, I truly believe it's Justin Herbert simply mm-hmm. because I feel like there are more Justin Herbert collectors than Trevor Lawrence collectors. But no matter who wins this, I think it's going to be great for the the victor. Is that how you say it? I don't yeah, know. the you victor. Might, the victor? That yeah, works? yeah. I'm just excited to watch this game and I'm, I would love a shootout where both quarterbacks are just going absolutely wild Uh and it comes down to the last second and it's a high scoring offensive fest. It'd be really good for the hobby and just frankly, very fun to watch. Chris, what do you think? I agree. Justin Herbert is up next. T-Law can wait another year or two. Herbert's been at it longer. I think Jack's right. I think he definitely has more collectors in the hobby and the bar is set higher for Herbert. You know, T-Law has already cleared the bar that the hobby set for him this year. And I'll tell you, I'll give you a piece of information to support that. Trevor Lawrence's index on card ladder is up 86% in the last month. Meaning people were like scrambling to get in on on the Trevor Lawrence action here as that team peaked late. Now, let me throw one stat at you guys as well that bodes well for the hobby as a whole, I think. Patrick Mahomes is the oldest quarterback in the AFC playoffs this year at age of 27. It's all the young guys. It's all the hobby darlings who made it and who are going to star in the AFC postseason this year. That is absolutely wild. 27. So this, so the, the cast of characters you're seeing at quarterback in the AFC, there's a very good chance... You're going to see a lot of these guys year over year for the next, you know, five, six years going head to head. You got, you got a chance for some really cool, like friendly rivalries here. The AFC stacked. Oh yeah. Mahomes, Burrow, Josh Allen, T-Law, Herbert. It's absolutely crazy. I also want to give a really quick mini stock up to our guy, Brock Purdy. He's won five <laughs> in a row. He could win 10 in a row and win everything. Could be interesting. <laughs> Biggest biggest upside of any player in the hobby this uh, this postseason, you think? Brock Purdy. Yeah, Gosh. I mean, I mean, you got to think of it from the standpoint of his optic and prism rookies haven't even hit the market yet, and won't until after the Super Bowl. Donruss football releases the week of the Super Bowl, so he's going to have like 
flagship products coming out even after the postseason. I mean, what if this guy takes him on a run all the way? Uh, I mean, the team is so good. <laughs> I if, know. If Patrick Mahomes goes absolutely insane and the Chiefs just win with ease and he gets another Super Bowl, yeah, I think that's going to really supercharge his cards. Mm-hmm. But if Brock Purdy does it, if Brock Purdy does go 10-0 and 0 and wins everything, despite how good everything around him is, that's got to be huge. Yep. We don't go to the ice very often. Alexander Ovechkin. This is one we were thinking about talking about towards the end of last year, and it's still relevant here for the first episode of 2023. You know, this is just a testament to history sells. Alexander Ovechkin is now in second place all time in the NHL in NHL history in goals scored. And Wayne Gretzky's record is not that far off from him. Realistically, that's a record people thought would never be broken. And it was really going to take greatness mixed with longevity at a very high level to get there. And Ovechkin looks like he's going to, and obviously our first instinct is to go to look at how it affects the cardboard and I've been watching this thing over the last couple of months, the PSA 10 copy of his 2005 Upper Deck Young Guns rookie. The pop is just over 1,000, and the card ladder value of this card has climbed to just a shade under $6,500 over the last couple of months. The ceiling here looks like it probably hasn't even been hit, too. You know a card has true staying power when it can reach that value with that high a pop. I was amazed seeing this. Chris, what do you see in here? This is, I mean, it's not only historic movement for this card, but you've also got a really cool benchmark within the same set from that 2005 upper deck because we've talked about it before how the 2004 and 05 rookie classes were combined in upper deck that year due to the lockout, I believe it was in 04. So you have Sidney Crosby also has the young guns in the same set. Yeah, great point. And to your point about, you know, have we reached a peak or or is there room for this card to get higher well the card has sold north of nine thousand dollars before it wasn't even that long ago there's a a sale here i see in june north of nine thousand and like much of the rest of the card market and of markets in general the card has has come down about 27 percent over the last year but still an impressive value for this card and a market cap around $6 million because the PSA 10 population is over 1,000. So very impressive card, and I'll, and I'll tip the hat to the hockey card market. It's the only index in card ladder, the only sport category index that was positive over the last year. Hockey, as a, as a category, was up 5% amid basketball being down 38, 39%, football being down 35%. So hockey, hats off to the hockey collector's holding up their end of the bargain. So I guess you could say it's really more of a testament too to this card that, you know, with the way so many things are down right now, this card is climbing back up now in value. It might, you know, whether it can reach that peak from earlier, we don't know, but it's showing that it can grow as he makes history and there might be more on the horizon. Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, it got as low as $4,000 in November and now we've seen a substantial turnaround And, and not just for that card either anecdotally speaking but i look at a lot of data on a nightly basis and a lot of cards have been turning around in the last few weeks go to the hardwood tyrese halliburton this guy's a superstar he is so much fun to watch i'm looking at 538 raptor rankings right now 
Number one, Jokic. Number two, Luka. Number three, KD. Number four, Tyrese Halliburton. Wow. He's having an incredible year. And despite all that, I don't think the Kings regret that trade at all because the Kings are playing out of their mind right now too. So I think wins all around, but we're watching someone become a superstar. And I still feel like the hobby hasn't really caught on or caught up to it. Why do you think that is? With that release, there's Ant-Man and there's LaMelo. Mm. And they kind of swallowed up everything. It's, it's almost the same story as SGA with, with Luca and Trey in a big way. And his cards were always sort of third fiddle. Yeah. And because of that, we, we've talked about this before. It takes a little bit longer to catch up when you weren't the hype player going into a year into a release, that kind of thing. Chris, what do you see with Tyrese Halliburton's market right now? I think Jack made a great point. I remember last year when that trade happened, everyone thought, what are the Kings doing? So everyone knew they were giving up a big asset in Tyrese Halliburton. I don't think anybody thought the Kings would play the way they have ever since then. But, you know, what are you seeing with his market here? You know, is he closing that gap with, the Lamelo balls and Ant Man's from the same release. What is, what's what's his movement looking like? Well, I think the Kings chose Deer and Fox, and so they brought in Sabonis, who can you know initiate dribble handoffs and you know set the set the table for Fox to to do all the incredible things he does. And it's hard to fault them for making that choice. But as Jack pointed out, the advanced metrics are just sending giant red flares up into the sky, exploding in enormous clouds of smoke to anybody who will open their eyes and look at it. And what what they're calling our attention to is that Tyrese Halliburton is one of the very best players in the NBA. This year, Halliburton is averaging over 20 points a game, over 10 assists per game, and shooting over 40% from three. That's never been done before. This guy is a special, special talent. He's got the Pacers in the playoff mix. Nobody thought they were going to be anything but a lottery, but a lottery team this year. So he's a very special player. Now Halliburton's market, and to your point, your observation, Ryan, I don't think much of the hobby, I don't think much of the sports media, whatever part of the chain of information distribution we want to look at, I don't think people are paying attention. But I can tell you this, Halliburton's card letter index is down seven and a half percent over the last six months the basketball index is down over 30 percent over the last six months so relative to his peers relative to his category Halliburton's market is holding up pretty darn well you can get his PSA 10 prism silver for 400 bucks or at least that's what the last one went for so interesting opportunity for a potential burgeoning superstar and his market seems to be holding up quite well relative to the field he is in a Kings jersey, though. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at his Prism Purple Ice. It's numbered at a 175 hobby exclusive PSA 10. Someone has it up for $1,400 OBO. I love watching Tyrese Halliburton play, but because he's in a Kings jersey, <laughs> it just makes it a little less appealing, a little less collectible, and that's unfortunate <laughs> for him. We've talked about it at length on this show. Steve, you know, Steve Sloan is not here today. You know, is he talked about it himself as a collector? not very huge on rookie cards of guys who are in different uniforms. Do you think that has any extra impact when he switches uniforms this early in his career in one direction or the other? 
Like it's not a guy who's been established and was in Sacramento for eight, nine years and had all these accolades and then changes over. He did he hadn't really established himself enough in Sam in Sacramento before getting moved. So, you know, do you look at it any differently? Not really. Yeah. To be honest. And just thinking about it critically right now, you look at Darius Garland. He was also kind of like third fiddle in that draft class behind Zion, behind John Morant. And he saw a pretty big collecting boost last season. And then Donovan Mitchell came in. He's been playing out of his mind. He became the true alpha of the team. And suddenly Darius Garland just feels like a, like a playmaker, like a distributor. And could that happen with Tyrese Halliburton too? Is he, is he the best player on a championship winning team? I'm not sure, but does he have the profile to do that? I'm also not sure. And I think a lot of collectors feel the same way, which is why his cards aren't popping off relative to what all the advanced metrics are saying right now. You never know what lies ahead though. If he does take this team into the playoffs, really continues to establish himself, it's going to be interesting to watch the rest of the year, but you know, we've talked about LaMelo ball and, and Ant-Man from that same class, how they've been a little bit down up and down at times this year. Halliburton's outshining them both this year. Lastly, stock up collector ease. Going to talk some business here really quick before we get to the stock down, but some big news in the last couple of weeks here at PSA on a couple of different fronts and at collectors, new PSA pricing was unveiled last week, went into effect as of January 4th, 2023. So some significant changes to our value tiers here. Now the only collectors club exclusive level is the value bulk service, $19 a card, which is up a dollar from $18 a card. But the big piece there is the declared value went up from $199 per card to $499. The value service level went down from $30 a card to $25 a card. And there's the new value plus service level, which you add a little bit of a premium at $40 a card. You still get that $499 DV, but the quicker turnaround time, 20 business days as opposed to 65 business days. And on top of that, regular service dropped from $100 to $75 per card, 10 business day turnaround, $1,499 DV. This is just the first of several changes coming this year. There's going to be a lot more to unveil, Jack, but this is a really good step in the right direction for the ease of collectors getting started grading with PSA. The hobby is confusing, mm -hmm. especially for newcomers. Concourse, courtside, parallels, mm -hmm. what's this? Why is my blue optic velocity less valuable than the black velocity optic? <laughs> there's so many questions, there's so much confusion. So anything we can do to make it easier for new people to get into the hobby, I think it's fantastic for this thing that we all love. And I think this new pricing structure makes it easier for new people to enter the hobby, yep. understand what's going on and get their cards graded. Head to PSACard.com. We've got all the details on this, on our pricing and services pages. Also head to YouTube, PSA President Ryan Hogue on our YouTube channel had a really nice piece explaining a little bit more detail about these pricing and service level changes and what went into the thinking with these. Now, on top of that, last year we introduced the Collector's Vault. Next week, the Golden Marketplace launches on 117. And there's going to be some really interesting things here because this is creating the frictionless experience from grading your cards to sending it to the vault to being able to list and sell and buy on 
the golden marketplace and with weekly auctions with items starting at $5 each. The theme here is that there's something for every collector within the golden marketplace and with the weekly auctions. And I'm really excited to, you know, and I'm not just saying this as an employee here. I'm really excited to have a new platform to buy and sell from. The other day I ran out of label printer paper. <laughs> I had to Amazon some, some bubble envelopes deal with all of this nonsense. It was such a headache. I cannot stand it. There's too many things going on in my life to deal with any of that. And I won't need to any longer. I'm very excited about this. It's going to make collecting and maneuvering and consolidating and all of the stuff that we all do in the hobby so much easier. So we can focus more on the actual collecting mm -hmm. and less on the facilitating and logistics. I'm ecstatic. We're going to have PSA president Ryan Hogue on the show again next week. He's going to be stopping through and we will be talking marketplace and a little bit more about this entire, as we said, frictionless experience for buying and selling cards through the new golden marketplace. Again, it's just January, 2023. And these are some big announcements already. This is just a teaser to more to come. It's the year of Michael year. Jordan. It makes sense. Everybody's got to level up for the Jordan year, right? Absolutely. All right. So now we're going to go to stock down. I'm going to go back to football. And while Chris made a great point, on the AFC side of every quarterback in the AFC playoffs being 27 or younger, you know, on the NFC side, it's a little bit more of a mixed bag. And one guy who's not there, Aaron Rodgers. I really wanted him to have the sports movie run. Mm -hmm. He was so close. I really, really wanted it. Disappointing to not see Aaron Rodgers in the playoffs, but this happens. And we have a great crop of young quarterbacks coming in. And we saw Drew Brees retire Brady's going to retire soon. Aaron Rodgers is going to retire soon, and the league is in good hands. So despite him not being in the playoffs, despite him having a very poor year to his standards, I'm bullish on the NFL as a whole and excited for the future. Chris, here's what I want to ask you from a collectability standpoint. You know, we saw it a little bit with Brady this year. You know, Brady's back in the playoffs, but, you know, by his standards didn't have that elite year. Aaron Rodgers really struggled this year, battled through injuries, a really slow start for the team. For a guy who's a modern goat like that, how do you think late career struggles can affect collectability? Is it something that really only affects things in the immediate? Can it have a long-term effect? What's kind of your thoughts there? Yeah, it's a great question. I think, first of all, to be focused on a player like Rodgers as a collector at this stage in his career most likely that collector is either a Packers fan or a longtime Aaron Rodgers fan, or there's somebody who really cares about the big historical picture, about four MVPs, about some of the greatest regular seasons ever played, which are all accolades that Aaron Rodgers can claim. But looking at this season, he never really gave us much to feel optimistic about, even when the team was playing well, even when they pulled off that upset in Miami against Miami, they were down big at the half, and it was some bad injury luck for Miami, I think, that helped put Green Bay over the top. I mean, they just were not the offensive behemoth that they have been in years prior with Aaron Rodgers. So I don't think this season makes anybody feel super optimistic for next year. I think 
this season maybe makes us start taking stock of his career as a whole under the presumption that there's not going to be much added to it. From a collectability point of view, I think this season reframes and gives us a new perspective on Aaron Rodgers in terms of we need to start sizing him up as a career that's probably towards the end. As much as I hope that's not true, as much as I hope that there's a lot of great things left to do, it 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 doesn't really bode well from the point of view of this season. But for people who are thinking longer term or those long or those lifelong Packers and Rodgers collectors, he didn't need to do anything more. This guy's got four MVPs, etc. He's one of the all-time great QBs, and we're lucky to still be able to watch him play. You look at someone like Ken Griffey Jr., most of his 30s was was pretty sloppy. He was yeah. never the same, but his 10-year peak is as good as it gets. I think long-term, not even long-term, like within a few years, I think people will look back at his career in a very favorable way. Agreed. He's an incredible talent. He's put up monster numbers, and four MVPs is no joke. I think the only time it really has a negative effect is when we allow ourselves to be prisoners of the moment, right? We're thinking about that now, but say he retires, I think two years from now, we're not remembering the 2022 season. I only wish he had better rookie cards. Yeah. I would love to have like a nice Aaron Rodgers rookie card in my collection, and I just don't love any of his cards. I guess my favorite would be his Topps Chrome Refractor, but he's wearing a practice jersey. His Heritage card is awesome. And I actually had not seen it very much until the last year with the old TV set horizontal design. And he's at least in a game uniform. Yeah. But you're right. Overall, he doesn't have like the really cool selection. A sleeper Aaron Rodgers rookie card is his turkey red. They have different parallels. So there's a black one and there's a white one. Very, very clean. Very affordable considering it's Aaron Rodgers, especially in a high grade like a PSA 10. Pretty cool card, but overall, I wish he just had like an incredible like Topps Chrome or mm-hmm. just like some Prism stuff. Yeah. And all the other things that we all love. Sorry, Jack. Devin Booker. Yeah, he's hurt right now, and the Suns mm-hmm. are not playing well at all. I think they're like the playing territory as it stands. Chris Paul is showing his age. But what has me excited, the Suns were quite good when Devin Booker was on the court, and he's going to be back in about two weeks or so. Yeah. So if the Suns make a run... Under his leadership, I'm excited to see how the hobby reacts to it, and I'm excited to see them in the playoffs. But the one thing that has me discouraged is that they just released, like, the first all-star fan voting, and Devin Booker was, like, like number eight or nine on the, on the top ten, and he was below, like, he was below Russell Westbrook. And a, a bunch of other names. He was, he was below Clay Thompson. He was below, I think he was below Jordan Poole as well. And, and granted, like the Lakers and the Warriors have huge fan bases. Mm-hmm. But you would like to see someone with the marketability of Devin Booker and the likability of Devin Booker be much higher on that list. So that was disappointing to see. You mentioned it, though. They can turn it around fast. This is the same team that's been dominant the last two years during the regular season. So as a collector, are you feeling pretty optimistic right now? Yeah, very much. I love Mikel Bridges. I think he's a... I think he's an elite, like, A++ role player. I think Aiton should be playing a lot better uh, later in this season. And I think Chris Paul still has his moments. He can still turn it on. So I like the Suns quite a bit. I'm a huge fan of Devin Booker's game, and I'm excited to see how the Suns play the rest of the way. Chris, feeling feeling positive about the Suns moving forward in the West? Oh, yeah. As a fan of other teams in the West, I fear the Suns. 
They are definitely lurking. They're, to Jack's point, the Suns are 18 and 11 with Booker, which means they're 2 and 10 without him. <laughs> he, you know, there once was a, a rap on Booker that good stats, bad team. That has been thoroughly dispelled this season, even in the absence of Chris Paul, in the absence of Jay Crowder, in the absence of Cam Johnson. He carried that team to legit contention, and they still have one of the best net ratings in the league. Now, from a market point of view, even amid this, to put it bluntly, terrible year for the Devin Booker card market, he's down 61%. His card letter index is down 61% over the last year. That's one of the worst I can think of performing indexes for a modern basketball player in card letter who's a superstar. But... The flip side of that coin is Devin Booker's NTRPA PSA 10 sold with Golden less than a month ago for $48,000. I think that there's some some settling going on in his market. Some people are like probably the buyer of that card are getting in for a longer term Devin Booker experience and others are saying, "Hey, I don't know if I want to ride the roller coaster. I think I'll get off for right now." There's there's different positions being taken on Devin Booker right now, but for that card to record that price in this market shows that there's still a lot of faith and a lot of confidence in Devin Booker, who might I remind you finished top 5 in MVP voting last year, and when that team's healthy, they are absolutely a threat to get back to the finals, especially in a weak Western Conference this year. So look, the Booker market, it's a mess. It's just a mess right now. You've got super high-end sales coming in, but you've got his overall card letter index doing poorly. So I don't know. It, I guess you know this is a glass half or a glass, glass full or a glass empty situation, depending upon how you want to look at it. Chris, I have a question for you. With Devin Booker specifically, the population on his mainstream cards, whether it's his Prism or his Prism Silver, there is no optic for 2015. It's all really low, especially compared to a lot of people around his age from 2017, 2018, 2019 draft classes. Do you think because the population is so much lower compared to his contemporaries that when things are going well, there's a little bit of a squeeze and the price goes up pretty dramatically. And because it goes up pretty dramatically, it also falls pretty dramatically. Yeah, it's a smart take. I think that absolutely could be a factor. And there's also just, there's just not as much nostalgia, at least not among the current people who are in the hobby for 2014, 2015, 2016. I mean, people didn't really start pouring back in until 2018, 2019, 2020. So I think that's, I think you rightly point out that supply demand, you know, variable. I think that's a great observation. I also just think that there's just, there just simply isn't as much nostalgia among people for that era. You look at Giannis, though, in 2013, similar pops. Giannis is much lower than 2015, but if someone plays to a certain level, there's going to be collector interest, nostalgia or not, and I think Giannis is, is absolutely proof of that. Agreed. All right. So we had stock up, we had stock down, and now we're going to put it all together, and it's hit draft time. So we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back with the hit draft from the cast of this week's Stock Up, Stock Down. We'll be right back. Hey, Steve here from the PSA Pod. I don't know about you, but for me, the hobby is my escape from the real world. I want my collecting experience to be fun, simple, and easy. But when it comes to selling cards, whether to get rid of dupes or to free up cash for a new purchase, there are just a lot of hoops to jump through. 
I've got to take the perfect photo of the card, create the listing, wait for payment, package up the shipment, go to the post office, and then pray that the card doesn't get lost. Add it all up and it's just not how I want to be spending my time. That's why it's exciting for me that the official Vault of PSA will soon be connected to the new Golden Buy Now Marketplace. With this completely connected platform, all the headaches of selling cards are solved. So I'm vaulting my PSA submissions now to be ready to jump on trending athletes and get cash fast for my cards, all with a single click. And did I mention that the new Golden Buy Now Marketplace is for all types of cards and values, not just premium cards? It's truly a marketplace for collectors by collectors. So try the collector's vault in your next PSA submission to be ready for when the Golden Buy Now Marketplace connects to the official vault in PSA. Visit collectors.com slash vault for more information. All right, so we're back. It's time for the hit draft. Did stock up, stock down. Drew, our producer, put together something amazing here. So we're working off of a little display here where as a cast, we're going to click through it together and reveal one card at a time in this six-card hit draft. we got a snake draft order all set. Chris will go first, Jack second, I'll be third, fourth, and then back in the other direction. We got a little, Jack, what are we looking at here? We got a little briefcase. Drew mocked up this sleek black leather briefcase with a PSA <laughs> logo slapped on it. All I know is that this is far superior to the flawless briefcase, and I want to be cruising through the airport with this handcuffed to my wrist. I'm just picturing <laughs> Ocean's Eleven with the with the briefcase on the wrist. This is, this is amazing. So we're going to go through one slide at a time and unveil the cards in this hit draft when you guys are ready. Are we ready to see card one? Every single card by the way, is from a former golden auction. Okay. So not just random cards. They're actually cards that sold through golden recently. And we have Justin Herbert, Trevor Lawrence, Aaron Rodgers, Devin Booker, Alex Ovechkin, Tyrese Tyrese Halliburton. Halliburton. We're going to start. Are we all ready to go look at card one? Let's do it. All right, card one. Slow reveal. You've made us click multiple times. I like it. This This is slick. Trevor Lawrence Zebra Prism PSA 10. I think this is Ooh. is this the premier level or this club is club level? level. Wow. My I, favorite design in 2021 select. This is sleek mode. I also love the juxtaposition of the the zebra animal print with the Jaguar logo. Mm-hmm. I think that's really cool. Some people think it's too flashy or too much or just kind of silly. I feel like this is just right. When it comes to when it comes to cards, I love big game hunting. I'm actually kind of shocked at the final price of this one. I would have expected it to be a little higher. So this feels like a really nice piece. This sold recently for $1,860. It is a pop two. Love it. That's some big game right there. All right. Our next card. What do we got? Drew with the swerve. Ooh. Wow. Jack, what do we got? What are we looking at here? <laughs> Alexander Ovechkin, <laughs> NHL debut, full First two NHL goals, full ticket, PSA wow. graded three. This is especially awesome because we've been diving into tickets yep. in the office lately. And this is really cool to see. I can't say I'm particularly crazy about the design, but I love a good debut ticket, especially for someone who's now number two in all-time NHL goals. This is this is a great pick, Drew. I was I was fully expecting like young guns. Maybe maybe we squeeze some kind of SP authentic in. And no, this is really unique. I I love this. Chris, are you a ticket guy? Like I, I'm kind of no, now. Not even remotely. So do not leave that for me. Do not leave that for me to take sixth. I will be. That would be the ultimate troll against me. Now we're now we're strategizing. 
So <laughs> let's go to number three here. Tyrese Halliburton Panini Ooh. Spectra RPA. A very cool color match with the purple wave. It's number to eight. Wow. PSA nine, auto 10. And it looks like it's on card. It doesn't look like a sticker. Some, yeah. Spectra's kind of hit and miss in that regard. Mm-hmm. They're not very consistent. I'll tell you what. I think Spectra RPAs are super like under underrated. This underrated is, and undervalued. Yeah. It's a it's a pretty fun product and it and it falls between kind of like the Prism Optic Select and like the really high end like yeah. the National Treasures Flawless and everything. Really fun underrated product that doesn't get a lot of hobby respect or love. Mm-hmm. It's it's confusing to me, but this card is beautiful. What a spread. Three color packs too. It. Jack though just I know you're going to level with me on this one, Ryan as well. I'm going to need Hallie to step up the autograph. It looks like I'm looking at I'm looking at a fish hook, a stick figure man, and a football uprights from the 1930s. Yeah. You're not wrong. Uh, yeah. Wow. I guess I, I totally overlooked it because I was the shiny stuff just totally distracted me. It's me too. It's a it's a beautiful card. The purple on purple is amazing, but man, that auto. I can't do that auto. It's at least centered and it's a 10 auto. I agree. This is why I don't like Luca autographs either, is because I can't stand his auto as well. Gentlemen, I think I have the card that is going number one overall. It is the Justin Herbert PSA 10 Gold Prism Select Concourse number to 10, pop four. Beautiful card. I feel like this is one of those ones where the image can't possibly do it justice. Also, like I bet this in hand is just a stone cold stunner. When you see anything yeah. gold in person, it just yeah. pops in a whole yeah. different way. Select is 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 really kind of falling in terms of value in the hobby mm-hmm. compared to optic, compared to prism in a big way. This sold for forty five hundred dollars just recently, and in my opinion, that feels quite low for someone with Justin Herbert's hobby pedigree, Mm -hmm. true gold numbered PSA 10. Yeah, I agree. If this doesn't go number one, I'll be stunned. So we're going to put that out there. Card number five. Ooh. Ooh. So we're looking at, what are we looking at here? Aaron Rodgers gold X fractor numbered to 399 PSA nine sticker auto really kind of smeared smudged sticker auto no less i don't believe this card comes without the auto but if it did this would be the aaron Rodgers card i would want to add to my collection i just have a very hard time with sticker autos i i didn't love the like metallic silver stickers that were used in the early to mid 2000s but because i i feel like some of them haven't held up over time but this is This is a legitimate grail of a goat. That's big coming from a Bears fan, by the way. I just want to acknowledge that, Ryan. Very professional of you. Yeah, I I keep the slander to a minimum here in a public forum, but, like, (laughs) I mean, this is a legitimate card that made me go, oh, wow. So, player regardless. Next up in our virtual flawless-inspired briefcase, 2015 Panini Noir Spotlight Signatures Devin Booker rookie card. It's a PSA authentic auto nine and it's got the gold paint pen on the card it's a very condition sensitive set mm-hmm. especially around the edges because it's so dark there's a lot of black and devin booker doesn't have a lot of autograph rookie cards let alone on card autograph rookie cards 
So this feels like a, a really nice card. It's numbered to 49, and it's a pop one. Chris, I feel like this is the opposite of the Tyrese Halliburton, where he has the D-book signature that is just oh. elite. This card is gorgeous. This is, for my money, the best-looking card among the group. Man. Yeah, Panini Noir stuff is just the coolest. Yeah. They, uh, I'm, I'm disappointed everybody on this podcast like doesn't have a bunch of Panini Noir in their collection, because we should, because these cards are awesome. I know. They really are. This is... I had to go back again and look at it just now. So... We've got the hit draft ready to go. So Jack is number one, and I think we already have a little bit of a spoiler on what you're taking, but what are you taking and why? <laughs> well, I'm, I'm not number one. Chris is oh, wait, number duh. one. I'm number Chris two, number you're one. number three, ah, and then we're, okay. we'll, we're snake drafting. Right. So we'll reverse so it So unless Chris back. just really, really wants to troll Jack here, <laughs> what are you taking? I, I would not want to see Jack's face if I took anything other than the Herbert – Concourse select gold PSA 10 obvious choice amazing card amazing player and it's not a jersey color match but it's like a jersey stripe color match you guys see that yellow bolt lining up with the gold it looks great I wanted I wanted to take a Halliburton so bad because I want to go as a collector I want to go on this career journey that Halliburton's about to embark on I think it's going to be pretty special but I can't do it I can't get behind that autograph so Give me Justin Herbert, PSA 10, select gold. Oh, this one's easy for me. I'm taking the Trevor Lawrence Zebra. That <laughs> card is just absolutely beautiful. I would love to have that one in my collection. These other cards might be more savvy of a mm -hmm. choice, mm -hmm. but aesthetically, this is one that I would just have in my collection because I love how it looks. And to me, I think that's more important than something that might be more historic yeah. or important or whatever it might be. I love the Zebras. I really enjoy watching Trevor Lawrence play, and I, I can't wait to see him lose on Saturday, and I would love to have this card in my collection. I'm taking that one, number two. That's a great pick. I was probably going to take it three if you didn't. So with picks three and four back-to-back, -back, I'm going with history here. I'm going to take the Ovechkin ticket. Full disclosure, we just had Darren Ravel from the Action Network in our studio. That episode's going to be dropping next week. You're definitely going to want to check that out. An incredible conversation about the ticket market and ticket collecting so maybe i'm a little bit of a prisoner of the moment coming off of that conversation but i love the history here a debut ticket that's not easy to find like that i think that's just a great piece <sighs> chris i can't believe i'm gonna do this i'm gonna take the aaron Rodgers gold x fractor auto rookie <laughs> the the visual appeal of the auto does bug me a little bit but it feels like a legitimate piece of history as jack said other than in my book I think this card is right up there with his SP authentic RPA as the Rogers grail rookie card to have. And I feel like 15 years from now, that's one that I would love to say that I picked here and held on to that long. So I'm going with the two old timers, both from 2000, well, a 2005 card and a 2005 ticket. So I feel like the Devin Booker card is the obvious choice for mm -hmm. me. I feel like it's, I mean, I, I collect Devin Booker. I'm a huge fan of his game. I just waxed on about how incredible Noir is and why don't we have any in our in our collection. Just not a big fan of the PSA authentic grade. Okay. Not a big fan of a, of a, of a smeared autograph. There's just something a, a little sleeker about this Spectra color match, Tyrese Halliburton. I feel like my Devin Booker collection is pretty curated. It's mm -hmm. pretty um, specific. I have two pop ones in it. I have this iconic Prism Silver. I don't want to just throw something in there just to throw something in there because he's a player I collect. 
I'm going to take a ride with Tyrese Halliburton and I go with it. that with my choice. I love it. That leaves me with the Booker, which is a beautiful card. I'm not mad, but I was really hoping that I talked you guys out of wanting that Halliburton and it could have fallen all the way to me in sixth. So you played some, as Jack likes to call it, some 4D chess there, just I, slandering I the, the auto. Jack was Jack was playing 5D chess and he got me. That's what makes these fun with you guys. So those, those, <laughs> I feel like we all got to be pretty happy with our haul out of this though. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, no doubt about it. Chris, I just want to say, I really admire your love for the advanced analytics and how that correlates with your collecting in, in, in so many big ways. And I would love to see you jump into some Tyrese Halliburton cards because I feel like there's some steals out there mm-hmm. that someone as savvy as you could really start building a pretty cool collection around him. I'm looking, man. He has caught my eye. And I saw his rookie prism black shimmer, which is not the true, not the true, but the black shimmer sold for, I think, 18.5. It was a PSA 9 for $18,500 on eBay a few weeks ago. And I just made an Instagram story poll and I said, do you guys think this was too high, too low, or just right? Me thinking in my head, I can't believe that one of Hal Burton's very best Prism cards went for that low relative to where the high-end markets are. But almost everybody said it was too high. The, the poll result was like over 60% of the people voted that the price was too high. So I see opportunity with Halliburton. Some of his very best cards are available for a fraction of, of what other great players' cards are going for. I'm looking, Jack. I'm taking a long, hard look at him. But I'm, I'm also a turtle. I just I move very slowly when I before I decide to PC somebody. Here's something else I love about Halliburton. The man loves media. He's got oh, yeah. like he has his own podcast. He's always on different podcasts, mm-hmm. different YouTube shows. He's very involved in different like communities. I could see him having a very long, like a very successful, you know, multi all-star career and also being a fixture in the when it comes eye. to NBA media after he retires. I think we all got to agree. We got to pitch in for a hit for, for Drew here. What a, what a hit draft curated list, but Ooh. the presentation, incredible. Can't wait to do it again. So Anybody, uh, anybody eyeing cards that someone else got in this hit draft where you're wanting to try to maneuver for a trade, or are we all pretty good with what we ended up with? <laughs> the Herbert, I mean, it's just such, <laughs> such a great card. That, I guess, I guess I'm going to talk myself out of it. Select has how many golds out of 10? That's true. Right? Three, four? Three levels that year, I think. Four? Four levels, I yeah. think. Yeah. So I think they added the club level. Makes it slightly less appealing. <laughs> it's only, you know... And my Trevor Lawrence zebras are pop too. I believe the Justin Herbert's pop four. So you wouldn't pack you wouldn't package the zebra Lawrence and the Halliburton select RPA. You wouldn't package those two for the no. I, I would do that in Herbert. a heartbeat. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Just making All sure. Right. Yeah. We'll see how you feel after Saturday. <laughs> so we'll be back next week. We're gonna do some more stock up, stock down. Another hit draft next week. These are a blast. So. For Chris, for Jack, I'm Ryan. Thank you for joining us for the first episode of 2023. We're so excited for the year ahead, not only in the hobby, but here at PSA and Collectors. Much more to come, and we'll talk to you again next week.